Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into the show today. Before we get started, I am asking for donations to keep my show free of ads and interruptions and provide the best quality information out there. There is a link in the description below. And again, thank you so much for supporting my podcast and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Metaphysical Mentor Podcast with Michael Philpott, providing you inspiration, information, knowledge, and motivation to help you on your soul's path covering topics related to health and happiness from the mystical to the metaphysical and everything in between, making the unknown known. Now let's join the podcast to discover today's topic. And we are recording. Hello, Sabina. How are you? Fine. Thank you. Doing very well, considering all that's going on. Thank you so much for asking yeah. me. Uh, you How know, you? I'm yeah, I'm doing fantastic. You know, uh, I, I like to say I'm a little bit bored, you know, I'm feeling a little claustrophobic, you know, I try to get out as much as possible. But uh, I'm really happy that you're on the show today. Um, you know, Dr. Sabina, it's been, um, it's been a little bit of a whirlwind trying to get you on here today to talk about so many different things, so many amazing things. We're gonna talk about brain allergies, we're gonna talk maybe about depression, uh, multiple chemical sensitivities and all that. But before we get started, can you just give a, a little bit about your background to the listeners right now? Well, um, just briefly, I started in education as a teacher, and, uh, and it was during that time that I developed severe allergies, and um, it was quite interesting because I was going the traditional route of getting tested and allergy shots and all of that, and I was actually getting worse, wow. and, um, and the doctors couldn't figure it out. I couldn't figure it out, and that actually really did, I would say, initiate my searching another way. And that's what led me down the road to naturopathy uh, and starting to search, do they have answers for me? And low, you know, and, and obviously they did. Uh, and what I learned was I had that, and that was my first phase. I was still a teacher. So it was during that time that I left teaching um, because of my sensitivities. And I decided to go back to university. And that's when I did my doctorate in the area of brain allergies. Okay. Uh, in the area of psychology, and I decided that if I was experiencing these reactions to the environment and to foods, what about other people? I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one, exactly. right? So, and that led me to um, my doctoral work, and as a result, I went into private practice afterwards, and also then initiated a school and started teaching uh, my own type of what I would say course course material and continue to study and open up into other areas of energy medicine. Yeah, that I mean, fantastic. I, I love energy medicine. It is really the it's the new frontier. And I think once it becomes more mainstream, and really, uh, it's, it's going to take off because it makes uh, on a on an intellectual level, it just makes sense. Like once you do the, the research and understanding, you know, what we are and who we are as human beings and how the body works, it, may, it makes a huge difference on that. So with the brain allergies, what made you focus exactly on the brain? Because, I mean, that's a very, very specific area in the body. Because usually when you have an allergic reaction, it's kind of a systemic thing. It's all over the body, you know, either getting rashes and things happening. What, what made you focus on the brain itself? Well, it was through my own personal experience. Mm -hmm. I would have an exposure uh, and it took me a while to figure it out, but I would have, uh, I'd say, an exposure or I ate something which was much more specific and very clear. 
And, and what I experienced right afterwards was a brain reaction, something like I would cry, like I would okay. eat something. And one of them was popcorn or corn. Uh, and I know why, because of what they do to corn. <laughs> and corn is a typical one for many people. Yeah, I would say- I hear, that. Number, hmm? I hear that now. Yes, well, because of the atrazine, which is the pesticide and fungicide that's used in the fields, on the fields, uh, that is absorbed, of course, into the plant material. And, you know, we're, we're taking that in. So uh, I did not know any of this. All I knew is that when I had- corn or popcorn, it was a matter of 10 minutes later, I would just be crying and I would be like talking like we are now, smiling. And then all of a sudden, I, I just felt so overcome with sadness. And if I had kept that pattern, of course, I would have been, I would have classified myself as suffering from depression. Yeah. Right. So, um, that was very clear cut and that continued with other foods that I recognized. Um, I also saw the correlation with um, specific types of contaminants, um, exposures. Chlorine was another one, which was very difficult because we have chlorine oh, yeah. in our water. <laughs> so yeah. stepping out of a shower was dramatic for me. Uh, and this, this, of course, I discovered over a period of months. And I decided to do more research in the area of what is really going on with me. I'm in the area of psychology. So what's happening? Yeah. When I eat this food, this happens to my brain. <laughs> and um, so I went down that path, Michael, and I discovered through a different way of being tested that I had a whole host of, I would say, uh, allergens, but mainly to uh, pollutants and preservatives in our food. Wow. That's yeah, it, it's, it's so amazing now to hear that because they're just we're just so bombarded by chemicals these days, uh, and everything. And I mean, um, we're so complicit in it, too, as well, because we don't realize what we're buying and what we're eating at the same time, too. Was there a certain pathology within the brain, uh, brain allergies that you were looking for that it was just coming up. I mean, it seems like it was like very much an emotional reaction to the chemicals or whatever the allergens that were in the body. So it was, a, was it basically working on the hormone level that you noticed first and then triggering the emotions of that and then it affecting the brain? Well, how did that work? Quite, thank you. That's a great question. It, it does become quite complex. And I was really fascinated with that as well. And so what I discovered in my research was that I was not experiencing the typical histamine reaction, which is the um, sort of the inflammatory reaction, but it was in a different form. It was called the kinin type. It, that, that's just the, the sort of the chemical name given to it that specifically impacts the brain. And what I mean okay. by that, um, it's not only that it would change in the way I felt, but it could also, uh, and it did, uh, my focus, concentration, my ability to remember. Uh, memory was a big one. Uh, all of a sudden it was like, what's my second name? And I was just went blank. Wow. That's severe. Eh? That's severe. Wow. That's severe. And I like, I'm a young person, <laughs> right? So it's like, wait a minute. And 
so it it um, it really was quite devastating to experience just the the sort of the full gamut of what brain reactions um, can occur. Mm-hmm. And that was a concentration was another one. All of a sudden, um, and I love to read. Uh, I love doing research, uh, but I couldn't. It was, you know, I just, again, uh, I couldn't concentrate, couldn't focus. So these are other ways that uh, it does impact the brain. Of course, uh, through my research, I discovered that we have, again, a full gamut of symptoms. Uh, schizophrenia is another one. Yeah, that's, um, that's really interesting. Wow. To that extent, and I helped people with those types of conditions uh, to fatigue. Fatigue was another one that I experienced. Tiredness, narcolepsy. Um, I would be driving and be exposed to, say, a truck passing me passing by and I'm, I'm, I'm inhaling extra fumes. And all of a sudden, I just wanted mm. to sleep. I, I had to a number on a number of occasions, drive to the side of the road and literally close my eyes. That's, that is, that's extreme. But you know what, it's, it may seem very uncommon, but I think it's more common than most people think. Correct. And, it is. And it is. And it's something that's, you know, it, it's, I don't mean to really scare people, but I just think if you, if you really start to be aware of what's happening and uh, of lately, now I've, I've been a little more aware because I was kind of trying to do my research with this and I was like, oh, damn, I look underneath my sink and it's like, what am I doing? Like, look at all the crap that I have. And, and you know what it is? It's like, because let's say for example, like a cleaner, right? You think it's harmless and you know, like your mother used it, your grandmother used it, right? So you just naturally think you're going to use it. But then I was just kind of doing some research and I'm going, why am I putting this on my counter and in my, and my sinks and everything else? Because that's what it is, but it can cause me more harm. Because it kind of got me freaked out a bit when I was kind of, you know, doing my research about your background too. And it's like, I have that. I have that once in a while. Is it that, you know, and I do have allergies too as well. I've had severe allergies as a kid and my brain was, you know, the first thing they always do, like you said, is they give the injection, right? And I was on injections for the longest time and, you know, I still wasn't any better. Even now I'm in my fifties, I still have allerg- allergic problems. And now my brain was kind of going, maybe there's a correlation to this. You're right on. I'm, I, congratulations, Michael, that you have done that because that's exactly what does happen. And it, it worsens because you become literally the toxic dump. Yeah. It accumulates we call it bioaccumulation in the body. And so what that means is that over a period of time, uh, you're not just 60% toxic, you're now 80% and then 90% and then you crash. I mean, hopefully not because you're learning about this, but that happens to so many people uh, and they have no idea that they're just full of heavy metals. They're full of these pollutants, contaminants in their body. Um, that they have a lot of different types of allergies due to the pesticides, herbicides, the additives, the preservatives. You know, coming back to cleaning products, I'm actually doing another presentation just on that. Because in the kitchen alone, the amount of exposure is astronomical. Yeah, it's mind-boggling. Like, I'm actually embarrassed to go underneath my sink right now, just to kind of, just just in my head. And especially now, because we're so hyper-aware of cleaning and disinfecting, and I mean, I have a background in culinary, so it was grained into my head about, 
you know, we use bleach all the time. Bleach was our best friend, like cleaning all the time. Like it's, it's amazing how much chlorine and bleach, like scrubbing down the surfaces, like to, I mean, it's indoctrinated in the head. First thing when we go to culinary school is about, you know, disinfecting, cleaning and proper hygiene and, you know, the pathology of all the toxins and things like that, you know, salmonella, it's just ingrained in your head. Right. So it's amazing how much chlorine we use in the industry, but also too, it's like, I look back in my childhood too. Well, I didn't say my childhood, but my teens, I worked in a grocery store, a small one, and they had a butcher shop. So a regular real butcher shop back in the days. And I remember seeing the butcher put bleach in the chicken to whiten it. I didn't know what he was doing. Like they, like they had a big sink, put the chicken in because normally with chicken, when you get it, when it's real fresh, it's a yellow tinge to it. Like the skin is yellow, but it's not appealing to people because they're so used to seeing white. So what do they do? They add a couple of drops of bleach in it. And I was like, why are you adding bleach to that? And, I, and my brain thinking, like, oh, he's killing bacteria, but that's what it was. So like my brain goes, it, it happens all the time. So now when I go to the grocery store, it's like, and especially now, because now I'm more hyper aware of it now. I'm like, I really want to buy that chicken. And now that I have the chicken, I'll take the skin off because I know it's bleached. Wow. That is so shocking. Yeah. That is so shocking. Uh, well, I guess that's one of the reasons why, <laughs> of course, I do highly recommend organic uh, foods today. But also, um, I, of course, I have a whole series of books and one of them is called vibrational cleaning and another one actually, and I didn't talk about that as far as part of my bio, but I did actually become an author of seven to eight books. And two of them have, have to do with cleaning products and what to use instead. And that's why I did get involved with essential oils because it's phenomenal yeah. um, how they can be used. And uh, my other book, of course, uh, has to do with kitchen hygiene. And again, the amount of toxins that people are exposed to just in the kitchen and you're eating the food. No wonder there are more food allergies, right? Yeah. So uh, uh, it was quite a learning curve for me. And as a result, I have been able to help truly thousands of people, um, not just even in my clinic practice, but all over the world through my lectures and now yeah. through my books. Um, because again, just like you pointed out, the amount of just using dish soap. <laughs> yep. Okay, read what's on that label. Do you know that you never get the soap off your dishes? Yep. There's a residue and you are actually eating off of that plate and you are now what ingesting some of that dish soap. Yeah. It's, 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 it's mind boggling because I actually changed my dish soap a long time ago. Um, I actually have a chiropractor who does muscle testing and because I was having all these problems and, you know, it's bringing your chemicals and what you have and use. And first thing I, I muscle tested, it was really weak on was the, uh, the dish soap that I was using. <laughs> so that was a big switch. So that being said, I always, you know, I always like to have like a very specific, is there a specific dirty dozen, you know, that we can look out for that, you know, if people are listening to this podcast, they can go underneath their sink or maybe into the bathroom and figure out, okay, these are the dirty dozen. Okay. We should really avoid these ones right here. And if it's just like cleaning, but also maybe in the food, like maybe there, if there's a, a few that you can just say, okay, make sure when you read the label, make sure it doesn't have this in it. Well, one, one rule that I certainly teach is if you cannot pronounce it, and it and it looks really odd 
then put it back on the shelf because most often it's a chemical compound. Um, now, sometimes it can be a vitamin, but it's very rare that you will see that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, uh, on a, especially in the cleaning aisles of, 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 say, a supermarket. So if certainly I avoid even walking down those aisles because of the smell just coming off the shelf, just the off-gassing yeah. itself. I start sneezing. Sometimes my eyes will get a little bit irritated. But um, it's just, it's just mind-boggling that that is even allowed there's, mm. because they're so toxic. Yeah, Do you okay. know, Michael, that since 1965, there have been over 4 million chemicals dumped into our environment from all various sources, from the air, water, cleaning products, etc. That, that, I mean, I was going to ask you a question similar to that, but I'm glad you brought that up because let's just, can you just say those numbers again, just, just so we can really emphasize that right now? Just yes, well, since 1965, there has there is now an overproduction of chemicals, and we're and it's up to four million that wow. is produced that are produced in all different facets, building industry and and the cosmetic industry and the cleaning products and in the foods, the preservatives, the fertilizers, all of that. Yeah, it, it's 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 really scary, and, and you know it really is. It's all it's from my understanding, a lot of it just comes from the petrochemical petrochemical companies. Because a lot of the derivatives are from that, yes, absolutely. Which I, which I found out was shocking because I had a naturopathic doctor on, it and she creates her own supplement lines, and she was telling me that do you know that a lot of that vitamin C is, you know, the precursors are coming from the petrochemical companies? Baffling, but we're so complacent in it. That's the thing. I think we just get so used. It's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's a cleaning product. It's so it's so easy. It's like, why would I bother? You know, we kind of just get so used to having that. But once you start waking up to it, and realizing. Yeah. Okay. It's taking ownership. Well, part of the, uh, Michael, I think with, with what has happened is that there has been a, a tremendous, I would say, uh, reliance is probably the best word yeah. of thinking that the government and the government standards and the ministry, therefore, they're going to make really great decisions for the people. Let me inform you and certainly all the people listening. That is not the case. Yeah. It is really the corporation that has their hand in this and they want to sell products Yeah, it's, and it's, they want to sell it cheaply and make the most out of it. And I'm just going to say it like it is yeah. because it was a hard learning for me. And what it comes down to is becoming educated. And hence, this needs to be taught really in schools. Right, yeah, right from kindergarten up. Uh, what are you eating? What are you being exposed to? What are you putting on your body? You know, all of that. Um, the air we breathe, you know, we have all this climate um, concerns that, that, that the government all of a sudden has woken up to. Um, you know, that's not the issue. The issue is right inside your home. Do you know that you actually have more toxins in your home than outside your home? Oh, I believe that. It's, sure. It's five times more toxic. This is by the EPA, Environmental Protection Agency. It is five times more toxic, your indoor air, than what's outside your home. Yeah. So what are the main culprits that we can look for? 
if we just get back on that, what are some of the main culprits that we can look well, for? Well, one of them that stands out, uh, of course, is triglosan. Okay, so what is that? Now, triglosan is used as an antibacterial. Okay. Okay, and it's used in a lot of detergents. It's used in a lot of your sanitizers. Um, and that, I, you know, I just shudder to, because I, I use a natural source one. Again, coming back to the use of essential oils, and it is a, a, a Canadian-approved uh, health sanitizer. But you know, when I I just shudder, I can smell it, the alcohol, which is so intense. But it's also what's been used in the other chemical compounds. Triglosan uh, was supposed to have been removed. It never was in Canada. It still is used. Uh, it is one of the culprits for actually causing. Um, bacterial problems. It actually works the other way when it's absorbed into the skin. Uh, matter of fact, it's a contributing factor to uh, what's called uh, skin or flesh eating disorder, MRSA. Yeah. Uh, who, would, who would have thought that? But um, it is really a very toxic compound and it's used in a lot of dish soaps. Wow. Yeah, I've actually seen that. It's actually, they'll actually advertise that. It's seen like, you know, you'll see certain products will say, you know, antibacterial. But then if you look at it, they'll actually advertise it as a, as a product. That's the main ingredient. So, okay, so that's, that's one. What, what is another one we can look out for? Phthalates. Uh, I'm, I'm, okay. I say it as phthalates or fiddlets because <laughs> of the pH. I'm glad you said it because I'd have a hard time saying that. <laughs> but it is referred to as phthalates, P-H-T-H-A-L-A-T-E. And that is more of a plasticizer compound. <clears throat> and that is again used in uh, underarm deodorants. It's used in uh, all different types of cosmetics. It's again used in many different household cleaning products. Uh, very common, very common and very toxic. Um, it's also a carcinogen. Okay. Uh, so also, you know, obviously one to be avoided. Uh, another one that's very common and matter of fact, statistically, they have found that uh, in a, this was done on a, a research that was done with Americans in North America that nine out of 10 people, nine out of 10 people have this in their bodies, in their tissues. And that's it's crazy. BPA, which is bisphenol A, of course, used in plastic again. This is your plasticizer. Um, I mean, that's horrendous because again, that comes back to uh, it's a carcinogen. Uh, you know, we 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 are not really investigating or talking enough about how to avoid the cancers and the allergies. Yeah. And these are coming in from these compounds. Yeah, and it's very interesting you brought that up because my next my next guest coming on, we're going to be talking exactly about cancer and all the different things on that. So it's a nice little segue into this too, as well. So oh, it's amazing. It, 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 it is. It truly is. It's um yeah. again. It's, really sad. it's sad at the same time too. You know, like I mean, how do we how do we how do we get this far? Like I mean, as a society, we won't always want health. We want you know vitality and health. And we get complicit in the whole idea that, you know, we'll just kind of use the chemicals and we're just, we'll just use them, but we're, we're killing ourselves slowly. You know, we're killing the environment, we're killing ourselves and we're not realizing we're doing it. And then we just like, okay, save us, you know, save us. And then all of a sudden you can't because you're just so, it's just so overwhelmed with toxicities in the body. And like, I mean, it's overwhelming. I mean, I just think, I just think alone, if we could just, get rid of like, let's say, 
I'm being realistic here. Let's say we get 10% of the crap out of there. Even 10%, again, that's difference. a very, it makes a huge difference, even on the body itself. And it's you know, one that you mentioned earlier, I agree with you with what you just said there. Uh, one that's very common, uh, and I'm going to talk a little bit about it, is chlorine. Yeah, please do. Because, of course, at Javix, um, matter of fact, with my clients and, and in my teaching, one of the first, I would say, um, my question to many of my clients, what do you use to whiten your clothes? And what do you think is the answer? Chlorine, bleach. Javix, bleach or whatever. Yeah. And I say, say bye-bye to it. Yeah. It is an extremely toxic substance. It is a carcinogen. Uh, it is a respiratory irritant. And yeah, that's for sure. Yes. And it is also a skin irritant and can cause any type of eczema, dermatitis, a whole range of skin disorders. Um, just to give you a little story, I had a client who had bought my book and she was so impressed with it, she thought she would share it. She did share it with her daughter who had a five or six-year-old at the time suffering with a very severe skin disorder, very severe. And she couldn't figure it out. They had um, been using different types of drugs and creams. Doctor couldn't figure it out. It wasn't getting better. If anything, anytime the cream was applied, and these were open sores all over this child's body. Oh, that's just so wrong. So... When she read my book, she recognized something that I had, I, was, I, had, I was talking about in the book, and this comes back to the chlorine issue, okay. because I stress, get rid of it, get it out of your house. Well, what she recognized when she read this particular chapter was she put the two together. She says, oh my gosh, I wash my children's clothes with chlorine. Wow. I soak it in chlorine, thinking I'm disinfecting. What she also recognized was what I say in the book, that the, again, there's a residue left in the material. And when the child or anyone wears that outfit that has been washed or soaked in Javix, you are absorbing it through your skin. Okay. So what was happening to this child who became extra hypersensitive he was reacting to the chlorine that was in his clothes. Now, what she did was quite dramatic. She stopped using it. She went to a completely, which is what I, re I, I recommend in the book, a completely different way to do it. What she noticed, oh, this was the other discovery. The cream that she was using for these open sores. I can only imagine what's in that. It had a chlorine base. I don't mean no to laugh about it, but it just, it just... I mean, it's so outrageous, isn't it? No it wonder is. the child would scream every time she applied the cream. You know, and I'm telling the story because I think it's important for a lot of people listening, how much this can make a difference in everyone's life. And, and in this particular case, that child sores began to heal within a week. That's fantastic. Okay, um, uh, she, she was, I mean, the mother, <laughs> she, she got back to me, she, she called me, she says, you have no idea 
how much your book has done yeah. for us as a family. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, that's uh, the power of information. And that's part of why I do this podcast. And partly why I was so excited when Dr. Landa suggested you come on, like, is like, this is a very powerful information. It's these small little, you know, bits and pieces that you can put together and starts to add up and you go, oh my God, that makes totally sense. Why wouldn't I think about that? And then all of a sudden you're just removing chemicals. You're not like you're doing anything crazy. You're just getting the chemicals out. And all of a sudden your, your natural body knows what to do. It goes, oh my God, this feels so good. There's no chemicals. Let's heal. Let's get, let's, let's heal. So that being said, now at your, at your, at your clinic, stuff like that, how do you test for multiple chemical sensitivities? Do you do blood panels? Um, do you well, have a Thank you for that. Um, you mentioned testing earlier. Uh, yeah. I became, of course, uh, I teach it today, uh, muscle testing and various forms of kinesiology, applied kinesiology. Um, so what I developed back in the early days, I had to find ways, very quick ways for myself. So that's why I learned how to do uh, what we call applied kinesiology or, or muscle testing. And so I did learn that for myself and then of course continued to teach it and used it in my practice. I also do what's called Egyptian dowsing. And so uh, by, by both using both systems, I'm able to delineate very quickly, very, very quickly, uh, what agrees and what doesn't. And my, 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 my clients, they see it for themselves. They see it immediately, <laughs> you know, muscle cannot hold. Uh, I do with another technique called leg length, whereby the legs will actually shorten, one leg will shorten. I'll just put a vial or I'll even put um, uh, a sample, very okay. small. Sometimes I'll even have just the person think of that particular uh, substance or say dish soap or whatever it is and pff, the body reacts. Yeah. The body knows best. It, it certainly does. It's amazing what our bodies can can do. It, it never ceases to amaze me all the time. Technique that I do use or add to this, and that yeah. is um, I use what's called this. It, I just have a brochure on it, but I do use what's called BioWell. It's a, or basically it's a Curlian bioelectrography photography. Yeah. And I do this with my clients right away. And the reason I do is it allows me to see where there is a disruption in their energy field. Um, we can see the gaps, the holes, and we can also address the areas that um, are impacting the energy centers called chakras. So I can see it immediately. So can my clients. Yeah. Because I like to educate them. Yeah. And I think that's, that's one of the, the most important things is to educate. Cause I think, you know, when we go to a regular physician, it's just basically what's the problem. Okay, here it is, but we really don't get educated on that. So spending that time with your clients. And I think we're going to do a, a whole episode just on, you know, GVD and Clearian photography and more photography. Cause as everybody's been listening, I, you know, I'm a Reiki guy. So, um, Oh, all, wonderful. <laughs> yeah. So I'm all about energy. Um, yeah. Uh, about uh, energy and especially the, the chakra systems too, as well. Uh, but I think we can do, I think we could probably spend an hour just on that alone. So we're just going to touch on that. We're going to tease you a little bit about that, but yeah, I think it's a, it's a brilliant way of also adding that as a diagnostic tool to really see that. Cause once they really get an understanding of that visualization, when they see what's going on, Oh, I have a break here. Then it makes it more impactful. Then they can start checking things out. Um, 
And, and to add to that, Michael, if you don't mind, um, because this is something that I did with further furthering in my research, as a result of using this tool and then muscle testing, what I discovered was, and this goes back to the brain, what I discovered was this tremendous interference around the head area. Okay. And so I would ask my clients, do you experience a, you know, headaches or migraines or tiredness, fatigue, or um, just kind of um, loss of energy, loss of interest, you know, these kinds of conditions or mood swings, um, depression, sadness, whatever. And many of them would say, absolutely. Um, matter of fact, in many, many, many of the cases, they often would share with me that, I used to be so vibrant and I could think clearly. And then all of a sudden I'm sitting in front of my computer and guess what happens? Because yeah. we didn't talk about electromagnetic interference, yeah, which is a, a whole... pollutant. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But yeah. I classify that in because okay. what I observed and what I also found around the head area was a tremendous amount of interference. Some of it was electromagnetic and oftentimes much of it was, but a lot of it came from the chemical compounds that people were inhaling and not knowing, such as even wearing an aftershave lotion or yes. perfume. <laughs> I'm talking about the fake um, synthetic perfumes. Yes, and there's okay. so many out there. Right, which is used, fragrance alone is used in so many products. It's crazy how no, much it is. It's, 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 yeah, it's mind boggling. <laughs> you must go crazy some days. You just probably walk. It's like, how can this still be happening? Like, I mean, I'm, I'm just listening to this and I know like a fraction of what, you know, you must kind of just shake your head and kind of go, I, I just don't get it some days. I agree with you. I, I, you know, this has been for me, I, when I initiated the research, that was what, 25, 30 years ago. And I guess the question today, has it improved? Did we get better? No. It's gone yeah. the other way. It's gotten worse. It has gotten worse. Wow. It has gotten worse. Um, and, and that's what's really shocking. Uh, but I wanted to mention one thing coming back to the brain that uh, particularly fascinated me and, and again went into much more research about it. And that was the pineal gland. Okay, I'm glad you mentioned that, you know, that's been a really interesting topic, you know, because as we're all on this path of enlightenment, as I call it, um, and it's really important that uh, that little gland gets a little neglected, but now people are starting to realize, you know, there's some importance to this little uh, gland in the brain there. So well, yeah, touch on that, please. Oh, absolutely. Well, that's the reason my book is called Vibrational Cleaning, because it's not just about getting rid of certain substances, it's about what you can replace and start using in order to also activate and help the pineal gland. So it's a very different way of looking at this. And the reason why I'm stressing this is what I did find, and this was actually the work of Dr. Jennifer Luke, back in England and what she discovered was that fluoride, fluoride, this is the, the use of fluoride, which of course is used in our water and toothpaste and other substances of that nature. And what she discovered was that the pineal gland absorbed the fluorine or the fluoride the most in the body. Okay. 
So what does fluoride do to the pineal? It calcifies it. What does that mean? It hardens it. It should be a very jelly, very soft, okay, liquidy. Uh, when that hardens, that's when we see a tremendous amount of problems um, from Alzheimer's, dementia, stroke. I mean, the, 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 it's just wide open. Yeah. So if you just explain to the viewers, uh, you know, what the purpose and the function of the pineal gland is. So they really have an understanding of what it really functions and how important it is in the body. Oh, absolutely. Um, what I also found interesting in the research was at one time, the pineal was considered to be a non-necessary sort of an appendage, if you will. Well, that's not the case. What has been discovered was the opposite, that the pineal is considered to be the head or the most significant in the, what I call the biocomputer of the brain, where we have the pituitary hypothalamus, those particular three glands, which really control what's going on in the whole entire body. So the pineal gland was discovered and correctly uh, labeled back in the 13th, 14th century by Rene Descartes, who said it was the seat of the soul. The soul. Yes, I remember that. There we go, see? <laughs> and What's fascinating is that today that in fact has been found to be extremely important in intuition, psychic ability, receiving and being able to process at a very different high level, which we would call the enlightened one, the enlightened state. Um, the, there's actually been tremendous amount of work uh, to, that has been discovered about what the pineal secretes. And the secretions alone are extremely helpful for keeping an individual young. We never thought about this, but your pineal is actually one of your youth keeping glands. It is very interesting. It is also considered and found to be the doorway between the third dimensional, fourth dimensional into the other dimensions of what we call the subtle levels of reality. Yes. <laughs> I know we can go off on that. <laughs> no, but you know, this is, this, is, this is really important because I mean, I'm all about this and my listeners are all about this too. It's about that educating too. And it's really important. Now, did you find in your studies with the correlation between the calcification of the pineal gland and other, um, I guess, mental disorders, like, you know, you touched on schizophrenia and stuff like that. Um, are there other disorders that may be linked to that calcification? Um, because again, if it's being calcified, nothing can, can come in or come out. Uh, and, and I mean, it is such a, an important gland in the brain. And again, that governing part of what it does between, I always kind of between the, the reality of what we're here in our spiritual self, it's that little access, that doorway, which is so important. Did you find any like correlation between the research at all with the? Absolutely, there is. Uh, the malfunctioning or the calcification of the pineal gland has a tremendous amount of what we're seeing with um, any type of brain disorder. When I say any type, the pineal will be involved, uh, but they did find a very high correlation. They did find a high correlation with children 
uh, who have been, um, again, we talked about the issue of toxicity. Uh, we do have other forms of toxicity that children are exposed to. And yes, it does hamper and block the pineal gland. Um, the pineal gland is extremely important to produce melatonin. Now, melatonin is also during our wake state, but it is a very important one for also the immune system. We don't okay. tend to think of it that way. So in terms of immunity, the pineal gland is extremely important. Did you know that what they found with the pineal gland, that it was one of the key glands to offset viruses? No, I did not know that. I mean, I know the, um, uh, the thymus gland was really supposed to be important. I, I've heard that in studies of that, but not the actual pineal gland itself. Uh, I mean, pineal I understood the, Yeah, I knew the, the introduction, I mean, well, it was really important with the melatonin, which was really a, a, an essential part of the production of the pineal gland. But I always thought it, from my understanding, was more the, the thymus gland above the heart the heart center, but it always makes sense when they talk about uh, coherence now between the brain and the heart, those two things working together to build that immunity, which totally makes sense now. It does. And since you mentioned that, there is a direct link between the pineal and the heart. Okay. Talk about that for a second. Now, a matter of fact, and I talk about it in my book, which is, I found quite fascinating because um, there is a, a, a gland, which actually is what we call the emotional center in the brain called the amygdala or amygdala. The heart connects directly to that area of the brain, which is our emotional center. Yes. The other area that hooks into that area in the brain directly is the pineal. That's interesting. I didn't know that part. It is fascinating. Yeah. It's fascinating. The, the issue becomes how do we maintain a healthy and clear, right, <laughs> pineal gland? And um, again, the research did indicate that what we're seeing is a high incidence of calcification and that by the time today, this is now in, with today's children and teenagers, by the time an individual reaches the age of 17, 40% of their pineal, this is what they have found, has already been calcified of the that's population. Crazy. That's, that's crazy. That's a really, that's, I mean, that's staggering the, that number there. I mean, it, it could only get worse if we don't do something now. Well, they're even finding two-year-olds with, with calcification. Two-year-olds? How is that two -year -olds. Even possible? It's just, is it just from the, the ingestion of all the different chemicals? I mean, the pesticides and everything else? Or... Exposures. Um, remember, I talked about chlorine earlier and then fluoride. Yeah, it's in a water system, for sure. And toothpaste. Yeah, toothpaste. Where, do, remember... where is tooth? <laughs> oh, I just remember. This is interesting. I remember, I mean, I, you know, in the 70s when you're in school, what they used to do, they used to have these programs where they give you fluoride, you know, this little drink a cup and you had a little fluoride every, you know, every once a month, they give you fluoride to drink. And, you know, it was interesting. I was like, why are we doing this? But that was part of, I don't know if they still do that in schools now, but I just remember as a kid, they just remember sitting in class and this nurse would come around and pour you a little cup and down the hatch. Oh, yeah. Horrible, horrible. Yeah, it's, it, it really is. It's, it's a really, um, it is kind of sad the same ways too, but I, I, I know there's a, 
there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And I think it's a lot of it has to do with the education. And once you start educating yourself and empowering yourself, you start making these better choices. And those choices make you become healthier, then just come more aware of what's going on. And then, then you can start, you know, as you help yourself, you can help others too. You can help your friends, family, which is really another way of doing it. Um, it is. It is. I totally agree. Totally agree. And that's, and I, and I know that that's one of the reasons, certainly why I'm on speaking with you on this show, because it is about educating people. And I applaud you, Michael, uh, for your interest, truly for your interest and wanting to do this and to get this information out to people. I think it's, I think it's really, really important. I just, uh, you know, I'm always about helping people, um, especially just on the very, just the small levels and, you know, just helping them at the start. And then once you get that inspiration, that key, that information, that little spark goes happens. And then all of a sudden you see those magical changes in their life. And that's where I like, I get so happy. Cause you just like, it's like when you have that, you know, that mother that came back to you after you figured out, you know, it was the chlorine that she was using. Like, I mean, the joy she must've had on her face and even the child, I mean, the child was probably didn't know what was going on. I just know that it was in pain, but I think that's what it's all about. And at the end of the day, it's, that's what we're really meant to do is help each other out. And those are the sort of things we live for. Like, I love, I love those stories. Mm-hmm. I love those little stories like that. It's just, that's it's just amazing. It, it is. I, I totally agree. And there are so many of them uh, with the, just making those little adjustments and changes. And, and it's like, who would have thought, who would have thought that, <laughs> And I thought, and and in 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 that particular case, she thought she was doing something really wonderful to disinfect, right, and making sure that these clothes are really clean. And in fact, she was doing the opposite. So, uh, and this is happening with so many areas within the home. Uh, I mentioned earlier about the toxicity level. And I, I am going to mention this because I think it's important. Do you know that there are more deaths due to indoor contaminants this is actually was published by the world health organization than anything else there is a death one person that a person who dies from indoor toxicity this is talking about these pollutants every 20 seconds that's uh that's a that's a that's an interesting number too now with that being said is it because is it is it directly relinked to the actual exposure or is it because the exposure is actually turning on a genetic predisposition for like say cancer so in some so the environment the exposure of the toxin ingesting the toxin disrupts the the system in the body triggering some type of illness or disease in the body causing uh, like a genetic expression let's say again cancer was always we always noticed this as a cancer is because the cargen, uh, car, I didn't say the word. Carcinogen. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> That's okay. I was going to get it out one of these days. Yes, you would. <laughs> yeah, about an hour or so, I'd maybe get it out. Show's over. I'd be like, well, that's the how you pronounce that word. Um, but <laughs> is there is that is that the how they look at it? Or are they looking at it as just because they're just ingesting so many chemicals in their body or they're inhaling them or just exposed to it? That's what's causing the Well, both are actually at play here. Um, When we're talking about these deaths, again, uh, overall, it's about 1.6 million people that die from indoor pollution every year. Okay. Okay. And that's due to like respiratory, asthma, 
um, anaphylactic reaction immediately, and of course, a person dies. Uh, we have many of these types of deaths, when I was saying one every 20 seconds, unfortunately happens amongst the younger population, children, who get into these chemical compounds and think that they're something to play with and die from it because of the exposure or touching it um, and, you know, burn. I mean, there was a case of uh, a little boy who uh, mother was busy talking with her neighbor at the door, was distracted, had taken out her cleaning uh, products, left them on the floor, and her toddler went over. And what do you think he did? What do children like to do? Hands and putting it into his mouth. Do you know that child had to be rushed to the hospital because of the damage that was done to his liver, they had to do a liver transplant. Wow. It's shocking at the same time too. It's like, you know, if we didn't have those type of chemicals, it would really never happen. That The event would never happen. If there was no chemicals in the house, it'd be a very much safer environment because you wouldn't have to worry about locking up your cupboards and especially if you have young children. I mean, obviously, you know, you can get sick on anything. That makes sick. I mean, if you have natural products and you and start ingesting into your body that overloads it. Yeah, you can get a toxicity, but the likelihood and the damage of that is going to be a little bit different than if you- Totally. <laughs> if, you, if you have a bottle of bleach sitting there and the, and the young child just kind of goes, oh, this looks nice and down the hatch and away you go. So yeah, it's quite, it's quite shocking. Um, I really hope this is a kind of a, a reaffirming a reality check. I know a lot of people are aware of it, but sometimes they just need to have that in the back of their brain because now you can be a little bit more conscientious to it and you might be going, yeah, I really like what you said there, you know? Okay, let me just kind of reevaluate what's going on in my home and the chemicals and maybe do a little bit of research and let me just see what this Dr. Sabina is all about, see what, see what kind of information she's got going on, which I think is fabulous because, I mean, that's what you are. You're an educator, you're a teacher. That's your job, mm -hmm. that's what you do. And I love it. Yeah, exactly. And you know, Michael, on that note too, to make it easy for people, because it is a challenge to think, oh, everything in my house, my toothpaste, my soap, my shampoo, what do I do? Well, I'm just going to finish the story about myself. I had to stop everything because, okay. and I have pictures of what my skin would look like when I stepped out of the shower and I thought it was the soap. Then I thought it was the shampoo. Uh, then I thought it was a scrub. So then I thought, okay, I won't use any of it. What I discovered was that I was so highly sensitive to the chlorine just from the shower and my skin would be almost like a third degree burn. Think of a sunburn all over my body that's, and that's stepping crazy. out <laughs> and thinking, what do I do now? It's not the soap. <laughs> okay. It's not what I thought was the shampoo. And, and, and I did find that they were irritants as well, but the chlorine, again, coming back to the chlorine water. So of course that led to getting a, uh, um, a filter and changing that. And then also of course, stopping all of those toxic shampoos and soaps, et cetera, and looking for an alternative. Okay. So, so I just want to just uh, interrupt you there. Cause I just thought of something really kind of cool. So Talk about filters just for a second. I don't want this to be a commercial and I really, no. you know, I try to strive away from that, but is, are there, I wouldn't say a certain brand, but, but you can, can you find uh, uh, portable 
uh, filters that you can put on your shower and your tap to get rid of the chlorine? Yes, I, I actually was using a company's, uh, and honestly, I don't remember their name right now, but there was a company, there, there was a couple of the co uh, companies in Toronto area or Ontario uh, that do sell these water filters that you just, you know, you know, you change the, the water faucet, the head part of it, and it will filter the chlorine. Okay. Right. Now, of course, uh, there are other answers is to filter the entire water system in the house. You know, that's really the best situation. The best solution, yeah. But if for right. people who are living in like apartment buildings, condos, things Correct. like that. Yeah. Like this guy here. So that's why I was kind of asking. It was more about myself. Well, I was like, and that's what I was living in an apartment building at the time when I discovered this. So, uh, and hence the reason why I did look for a shower filter. And automatically, and depending on what time of day or something like that, when I turn on the tap, it just automatically, you can smell the chlorine in the water. And I live in an older building too. So the old pipes, everything else. And it's just like, oh my God. And I have to wait until I try to, the smell kind of dissipates. And it's like, okay, maybe it's just, it was just sitting there. So I just let it piss, uh, dissipate, I should say. But uh, yeah, I'm going to have to do a little more research. Maybe when we talk off air, maybe you can point me in the direction of, getting one of those filters to remove all that excess. Chlorine. Oh gosh, absolutely. The other issue when you were mentioning about, you know, making these changes, I had to make a drastic change. I had no choice. Yeah. I would be in either constant reaction or just throw out everything. So I was down to like baking soda, water and vinegar. <laughs> until I discovered essential oils and how I can mix and match. Yeah. Uh, and that's in my book. And, yeah. and the, the difference for me was dramatic. Yeah. And that's, okay, that uh, was really dramatic. Um, but what I suggest for people who are just starting out, just select one area. And I would say the kitchen. Okay, perfect. I, I you know, I was going to ask you about that. Okay, let's do the that. Kitchen. Why? Because that's where you eat. You're, you're, you get the maximum amount of exposure from, and well, your foods, et cetera. So I would say your dish soap, make that change. And if you could just, you know, if, if people could make just two to three changes and start that way and then gravitate to the bathroom <laughs> where we have the shampoos, the toothpaste, the soaps and that those kinds of items and then the cosmetics. Yeah. You know, I, and thinking of cosmetics at one time, this is back then, I was using, I, and I thought I was using good products. Um, I was using a particular type of mascara. And I think this is important for people to know. Do you know that I lost all my eyelashes? No, I did not. Burned them right off. <laughs> I can laugh today, but it wasn't funny back then. Oh, of course. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really extreme too, as well. Like, I mean, to actually lose your eyelashes from the product and the sensitivity of all that. That's, uh, yeah, I've heard so many horror stories with cosmetics um, and uh, it's interesting, you know, our, our mutual friend Lana and her sister owns that uh, natural skincare product. So I have a chance to be over to their place. So a little shout out to them too as well. Um, but uh, yeah, it's amazing how much with chemicals, like, I mean, I feel so sorry for you women to put all this stuff, makeup on, and it's just laden with chemicals, like with nickel, and this and that, and all these other crazy stuff that's, you know, heavy metals that you just put on your face just to kind of go through the day. It's, it's, it's incredible. Yes. And it doesn't have to be because there are safe sources today, yeah. but it's sourcing them and knowing 
where to get them. And that's, of course, I have those answers today. Yeah, which I think is fabulous. And that being said, uh, Dr. Sabina, we're almost out of time. Ooh. Yeah, like it's went by really fast. Actually, we're a little bit over, but that's okay because it, it's just so, <laughs> it's absolutely been a pleasure uh, to have you on here and really informing people. Uh, and that being said, um, so if people are looking to find you on the World Wide Web, they want to pick up your books and all the great information, where can they find you? I would advise people to go to my basic website called davidawellnessnow.com. davidawellnessnow.com. Yeah, and I'll have all that information in the description uh, on the podcast too as well. So you can just click the link and get over there and get some more information. So if you're really curious to uh, explore this uh, thing, which I think everybody's going to be going, yeah, I think I need to reevaluate what's underneath my sink in my kitchen and everything else. So that being said, Dr. Davida, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, thank you for having me, Michael. Truly many blessings to you for doing this. Oh, you're quite welcome. And thank you. And I know your listeners are going to be enjoying this. Um, and that being said, I'm just going to close off the show. This has been the Metaphysical Mentor Podcast with Michael Philpott. Thank you so much for joining me and goodbye for now.